cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right. Oh, hold on. There we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to... January 19th, it is Friday. This is episode number 539 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I am two thumbs and all smiles, your host, Dr. Gerald Osher. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Kenyon Ezo, Leon Elliott, Sharice Lamb, Space Tacos, Yakota Strong, Matt McDaniel coming in strong with the coffee, Nick Fidel, Kenneth Ruff, Marcus Kyler and the Yeet Crew, Matthew Necci with the More You Know, and all of the Simply Cyber community folks on LinkedIn, folks on YouTube, first-timers and long-timers, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be, I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, so how can you use this knowledge to drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders, or, or... If you're looking to break into the industry, stay tuned, my friend, because there's plenty of value on this, plenty of meat on the bone for everyone here. If you're looking to break in the industry, you're going to be asked in any single job interview, how do you stay current? Guess what? This is a cheat code. It is the answer 100%. Second of all, you're going to get exposed to terminology, concepts, and all sorts of things that you just won't learn in a textbook. And third, and probably unbelievably important, uh, two windows over is chat just streaming. That is the Simply Cyber community. Say hi. What's up, everybody? Sharing resources, supporting each other, and being awesome. It is hashtag Team SC. I want to let everyone know that I do not do any prep work or research for any of the stories we're about to go over. I've worked in the industry for two decades. I have a lot of opinions. I am super passionate about cybersecurity. So I'm just letting it fly straight off the hip. Riding low on a train bound for glory. So believe that before we get into the stream and start shredding the faces of all these cyber news stories, let me holler at my show's sponsors really quickly. The ones who allow me to bring the heat for you every single morning, starting with my good friend Eric Taylor and the crew over at Barricade Cyber. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Barricade Cyber... Uh, uh, bar- ah! Hold on. Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Link in the description below. Woo! Got through that read. Jesus, that was a quick one. Hey, Cat GPT. Listen, I want to say shout out and love to my friend Brandon Poole and his whole team over at Panopsi Security. Guys, take your left of boom and boost it. What does that mean? It means you can partner with Panopsi Security at a fraction of the cost it would take to hire a full-time person. 
but you get senior level experience and knowledge to help you achieve your business goals with cybersecurity. So Jerry, that's a lot of flim flam and buzzwords. What the hell are we talking about here? Sorry, Kennedy. What I'm saying is you can get Panopsi to come in and execute a tabletop exercise or even heck, show you how to execute it so then you can repeat that process quarterly. Panopsi Security can come in and do a quantified risk assessment, tell you where your biggest gaps are. They can give you a three-year roadmap. Whatever your actual cybersecurity needs are today, they can help you achieve them at a fraction of the cost and with really high quality uh, execution. So if you know, you know. If you know you need a little bit of help and you got some extra cashish uh, to burn, here you go. Panopsi Security. It's a solid move. Worth, well worth the investment. Also want to say some love to anti-siphon training, but more about them at the mid-roll. Ooh, looks like, how, do, how does Azuma Lloyd, listen, we've got a first timer in chat, Lloyd Azuma from Ghana. Lloyd, I want to say, how did you know to say first timer? Second of all, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. If you are here for the very first time, like my good friend Lloyd Azuma from Ghana, if you are here for the first time, drop a hashtag first timer in chat. We love our first timers. We have a sound effect for you guys. We have a um, emote for you. And you know what? Hold on. I think I have uh, sponsorships to give away. Let's do this really quick. Yeah, here we go. Here's five squad members coming in hot. There we go. Five, pick them up. Johnny Five's in the house. Joseph Day here. Galaxon Six, recent uh, baton holder for Simply Cyber. Hector and Smokey IT. Welcome to the parties, pal. Five more people who can drop the John McClain emote on people's heads when they say, what's up, hashtag first timer. Remember, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. So if you've got professional certifications you got to maintain, believe me, it can suck. So you know what doesn't suck? This podcast. So go ahead and say what's up in chat. Take a screen cap, file it away in a folder. Once a day, and at the end of the year, count up your files, multiply it by 0.5, submit those CPEs, and move on with your day. Come at me, bro. All right. Hey, I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to let everybody know that it is Friday, so it's Grayson's Joke of the Week presented by James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. It is time to get to it's time to get to work, y'all. So do me a favor. You know how we do. We have a lot of fun here, but we also have to do work. Wah, wah, wah. Catch me outside. How about that? Yeah, how about catch me outside with that work? All right, guys, it's Friday. Let's grind through this. Let's do it. First timers, what's up? Good to see you. Welcome to the party, pal. All right, let's get into the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Friday, January 19th. 2024. I'm Steve Prentice. Hey, Chris Arias in the house. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, Chris. Let's get you some love here, man. John McClain, what do we say? Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party, pal. All right. Fridays were way more chill. Let's go. Atlassian outage briefly affected multiple cloud services. Yesterday morning, Thursday, around 3.30 a.m. Eastern Time, an outage affected multiple Atlassian Jira products, including Jira Work Management, Jira Software, Jira Service Management, and Jira Product Discovery. Atlassian implemented fixes within a couple of hours. 
As reported by Bleeping Computer during the outage, quote, on certain attempts, panes and widgets within Jira instances failed to load and threw an error message, whereas on others, an HTTP 503 service unavailable message was seen. This is a developing story and it remains to be seen whether this is connected to the Atlassian flaws that we reported on Wednesday. All right. So uh, <laughs> going to us live in the field, this is a live look in Atlassian right now. <clears throat> if you're uh, listening on the audio podcast, I've brought up the uh, this is fine meme dog sitting in a fiery room. All right. So Atlassian, unfortunately, uh, you know, the bigger you are, the more you know problems you can potentially have. Multiple Jira products are experiencing outages. Um, recently, they had an update. Uh, excuse me. Recently, they had a vulnerability, which is what we as cybersecurity professionals care about, right? Ah, you gotta patch it. <clears throat> and there's no, there's no known uh, idea if these are connected. Now, in my experience, in my experience. Um, and you know, if people have other thoughts on this, please chime in. But this right here, all day long, appears to me to be an internal business operation outage situation. I would, I, I would, I would lean to guess that Atlassian engineers are attempting to fix something or roll out something. And you know, even with change management, crap happens. They're trying to do something internally, and it has led to an outage. To me, there maybe maybe there is a cyber attack, and this is related to it. But typically, when there's cyber attacks, whether it's ransomware or state-sponsored or whatever, the tone of the, the the of the PR broadcast and the tone coming out of the vendor is typically different. Typically, it's like we're we're experiencing um, you know some type of unknown. Uh, attack or unknown incident and you know we're researching it like it's vague but it's usually got inklings and fingerprints of a cyber attack uh which which we're not getting in here again atlassian cloud-based it is a massive massive solution uh it's got lots of pieces and parts to it so um you know you can you can imagine like that's what's going on um if you are using these services in your workflows then basically you're well aware of this because it's down. Um, ooh, yeah. When you log in and see this, you're like, oh, I guess I'm going to go get coffee. Anybody want anything? Um, <clears throat> this, guys, honestly, this is the risk you take when you go all in on cloud. And it, it, it's not to say you shouldn't do cloud. Like I'm all up in the cloud. I'm streaming this I'm streaming this podcast off the cloud right now. And later on, I'm going to post it to podcast uh, distribution platforms in the cloud. Like the cloud is awesome. I'm just telling you, like, this is part of the risk. And, you know, you either accept the risk that if it goes down, then, you know, you, you're you down for a bit. Or you have uh, what they call downtime procedures, which you see a lot of times in healthcare. Because you can't be like, well, I guess we're not going to service our patients. Um Again, Atlassian has a ton of money and a ton of resources. So you would think that they're going to get this sorted out quickly. Uh, but the remote code execution vulnerability, you know, it, it could be related. You know what I mean? But we'll see. If you're running Atlassian, there's nothing you can do, right? You're, you hope that Atlassian takes priority and gets this sorted out Um in a timely manner, which is another benefit of cloud, right? You don't have to manage the infrastructure and get things patched and all that. They're supposed to do it. 
Um, so developing story, we'll keep an eye on it. Eye shutdown helps discover spyware on iPhones. The technique, which allows for the discovery of surveillance software, including Pegasus and Predator, was developed by researchers from Kaspersky. Calling this a, quote, lightweight, end quote, method, it focuses on a text-based system log named shutdown.log, which exists in all mobile iOS devices. The researcher's analysis showed that spyware infections left traces in the shutdown.log. The experts also observed some log entry notes that pointed to, quote, sticky, end quote, processes that prevented a normal reboot. They stated that retrieving the shutdown.log file is easy and saves time and money compared to other forensic techniques. They have also created a set of Python 3 scripts to automate the process. Ooh, okay. Right. Okay, hey. <laughs> who, who did this? Kaspersky. Hey, Kaspersky, I see you. Hey. <laughs> that Hansel's so hot right now. iOS security research is so hot right now. Okay, so check it out. Um, this this is really cool. I'm a big fan of this. Let's go. Um, one, <clears throat> iOS devices are, I, I don't want to say they're invulnerable, but um, they're less likely to get malware than Android devices. However, things like... Um, Oh my God, why am I blanking? Pegasus, uh, which is a, you know, really, really no click uh, malware that's, you know, got lots of features and feature rich. Go Google NSO group um, Pegasus in a different browser tab and then come back here and you can read it later. But anyways, there is really gnarly uh, iOS malware. So one of the things that, um, you know, digital forensics people want to be able to do is determine if uh, a phone has been infected. And this research introduces a lightweight, easy to execute technique to see if there is residual fingerprints of infection. Now, I can't say with any certainty that it's going to detect Pegasus, but what I can say is it will detect some type of lingering uh, infection indicators of compromise. The researchers have also released Python 3 scripts that make it um, like basically they've already solved the problem. And they said in the story, it's easy to execute. What I would recommend strongly, okay? Again, as a practitioner, I'm not really, the people that I serve and stuff, like I'm not worried about them getting their iPhone hacked, right? I don't support or serve Fortune 50 CEOs or federal level, um, high profile politicians or investigative journalists, which to me, that is the kind of, um, group of users we're talking about who's cause, cause the thing is Pegasus is like half a million dollars per hit, right? So if you're going to spend a half a million, you're certainly not infecting me, right? Like your, your return on investment is going to be pretty poor. So, um, but if you are looking to uh, get into the industry or pivot within industry and you want to work in digital forensics, right? Or incident response, differs type stuff. This is an excellent opportunity to do a little bit of a lab, right? You can get, you can get an older iPhone. Again, I don't know what versions of iOS this applies to. So do your research, obviously, but you can get an iPhone, right? I have an iPhone. I could do it on my own. You could get an iPad. You might be able to borrow one or get an older one on the cheap, whatever. Uh, some people like, you know, I don't know about you, but like a lot of tech people don't want to throw tech or cables away. Like myself, I have, my son actually brought me an iPhone three yesterday. He's like, is this yours? I'm like, 
Uh, yes, it is. I don't even have the stupid charger for it anymore. But anyways, that's a problem that I deal with. And I think a lot of tech people do. Um, but this is a great little lab. I might even do this this weekend. I did the sim lab the other weekend. This could be a cool little lab. Like get your phone, plug the logs, show the, the logs get pulled. Look for whatever, like whatever they say in the, in the research on what you're supposed to look for for sticky processes and write a blog post about it or a LinkedIn post or make a YouTube video and spam it all over the internet. Uh, but this is a cool one. Plus, plus, by the way, if you went in for a job interview and you dropped that you did digital forensics on an iPhone, that is really interesting because iPhones are kind of like black boxes, walled gardens or whatever, like use whatever metaphor you want to use, but you don't typically see it, right? So um, it would be an interesting conversation during the interview to demonstrate that you've got um, you've got some initiative, some proactivity. You're, you're obviously staying current on the news because this is developing research. All the good things. That's what this story is all about right here. And obviously, if you support Fortune 50 CEOs or high-ranking political officials, you may want to investigate this for actual work work. State hackers Cold River deploy malware in European espionage campaign. According to research from Google's Threat Analysis Group, the Cold River Gang is increasing its attempts to deploy backdoors on the devices belonging to target organizations in NATO countries and Ukraine. The hackers appear to be an elite branch of the <coughs> Russian government's federal security service known as Center 18. The group is using social engineering as an attack vector pretending to be experts in the target's industries. They seek to befriend individuals and then send encrypted PDFs that cannot be opened, thus prompting a request from the victim for a decryptor, which carries the backdoor malware. All right, couple things here. Uh, one, just as a, uh, a quick little reference to the previous story, where I said Google NSO group, Pegasus. Um, Darknet Diaries, if you don't know, is it, it, it is definitively our industry's best podcast for storytelling, right? If you like, you know, true crime drama or whatever, like Jack, the guy behind Darknet Diaries, he does a phenomenal job of producing these like really entertaining and informational, uh, educational podcast. And this is the one on NSO group. I haven't listened to it. Um, but what I will say is I've listened to enough of Jack's stuff that I don't even need to listen to this to tell you that it's awesome. Okay. So uh, go check that out. I dropped a link in chat. Uh, now, going back to this Russian state hackers deploying malware and espionage attacks. Okay. I haven't heard of Center 18 before. Um, when we talk about Russian threat actors, like sophisticated APTs, state sponsored, well funded, very, very advanced in technique. Um, we topic, we typically talk about sandworm. We talk about fancy bear. We talk about cozy bear and I, center 18 is new to me. I've asked the mods if they, if they can look really quick to see if this is a, uh, um, uh, oh my God, like another name, basically a, a pseudonym. Um, Okay, so we're getting here uh, that Center 16 is actually Sandworm. Center 18 is a new one that's coming up, still within FSB, which I think is where Sandworm works out of. My understanding is FSB is kind of like the you know Russian NSA-ish, right? Like they're all about um, national security, right? It says it right in the name, federal security. Um, so anyways, these threat actors are posing 
Um, where are they doing here? Oh my God, it's gross. Uh, they approach victims pretending to be experts in a field. So, hey, what's up? I work in insert whatever field you work in, and I'm affiliated with whatever organization is well known in the field. Right? Very easy to lie about. Um, they then build a relationship. So, you know, building trust for social engineering, and then they send you a PDF. Okay, they send you a PDF. The PDF has the cold driver malware. Once you're there, it downloads a backdoor. And boom, they're on your box and begin executing all of the post-exploitation, right? Whatever whatever it is. So basically this cold driver malware um, is initial payload. And then after that, they basically get into your house and they're squatters and they're not getting out. All right, there's a lot to unpack from this story as far as the way I like to do um, this podcast and deliver value to you guys. First, I'm, I'm just going to go rapid fire right now. So get ready. Here is the more you know, rapid fire. Ding, 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 ding. One, One from a practitioner perspective, if you support, um, you know, basically NATO countries and people that are involved in kind of like geopolitical activities, you should educate them on this particular attack. All right. Second of all, because it is um, kind of a, a, a clean infection um, approach, this is a great opportunity to educate your end users on like, hey, this is how it works, right? Like, yeah, sometimes you get a random email from some random person and you're not going to do it. But if these people build relationships and rapport with you and then they send you a PDF, you may fall for it. So be on be on the lookout, right? I wouldn't get uh, too complex or get too involved in like, Russian state sponsored or geopolitical spy versus spy crap. Because you're going to, you. whenever you're educating end users, it is imperative that you don't lose the focus of whatever the objective is you're trying to talk about, right? Like if you try, if you're trying to say like, be careful opening PDFs, right? Just for an example. And you start talking about all this other crap over here about like spy versus spy and Ukraine invasions and all this other stuff. You, you're, you're, I don't want to say you're confusing the end user, but you're muddying the waters. You're 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 fuzzing out what the key thing is you want them to zero in on. So you're not doing yourself a service and you're not helping them be uh, practice better cyber hygiene. Another thing to pull out of here, Google's threat analysis group, or also tag as it's referred to. I love Google tag. Um, if you're looking for some interesting stuff, the Google Tag Group is always putting out really, really good information. They have top, top people uh, in our industry working in there. Um, I always think of Google Tag and Google Project Zero as two just phenomenal resources out there. Um, here, I'm going to drop this in chat. This is another one that you might want to like bookmark and either you could follow along uh, via RSS feed. I'm actually going to, I'll tell you what, I'm going to. Uh, take this for action. And I'm going to integrate this Google tag feed into the Simply Cyber Telegram channel uh, because that's how I feel about it. And it just dawned on me that it's not going in there. Um, the final thing I'll say is, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is nation state level espionage 101. That's all it is. Make sure you have EDR solutions in place. Make sure you're looking for C2 beaconing traffic. Um, the Rita tool from Black Hills Information Security can help you look for beaconing. Be and final, final thing, beaconing, beaconing is a technique um, that basically, uh, if someone, if say all the machines on your network are compromised, right? And some threat actor owns it, right? So, like 
center 18 owns it, right? They need to be able to control it. They need to be able to tell it to take a screenshot. They need to be able to tell it to infect or move laterally or whatever. So what they use is a post-exploitation framework that will always have some type of C2 or command and control infrastructure out on the internet. And the way that it works is because outbound traffic to the internet is typically allowed, but inbound traffic is blocked with a firewall. So the infected hosts will reach out to the C2 server with a cadence, okay? So every 10 minutes, every one day, every sixth day, whatever it is, you got to script it and it's going to do it. So like, you know, once once a day, reach out. Once a day, reach out. Once every five minutes. Some threat actors, by the way, the, the, the more sophisticated ones, they'll actually have multiple uh, infections. So it'll be like one of them will beacon every minute. One of them will beacon every day. One will beacon once every six months. That way, if you find the daily beacon and you shut it down, the six month one can come back later um, and basically kick it, kick it back up and get it going again. But my point is because it's programmed, because it's done with a computer, it will execute with a non-human pattern. So when you use a tool like Rita and you look at, um, a network, uh, to like not topology what the hell is what i want when you look at a network traffic map or whatever um and you look at an endpoint and you look at it talking to a another ip on the internet you'll know like you you will quickly see things that look non-human right like humans they're erratic they're all over the place if there's one that's like every single minute and it's like It'll look, it'll look uniform, right? That's what Rita looks at. And that's what we're telling you to look at a uniform, like beacon, like it's beaconing, right? It's like, it's like a, um, freaking, um, lighthouse. When the light comes around, it starts to have a very rhythmic pattern. That's what beaconing the C2 infrastructure is. And that's one technique that you can use to identify if infections are happening, network traffic's out there. Cyber attack on Ukraine's largest telecom provider comes at a heavy cost. Following up on a story we brought you in mid-December, it is estimated that the cost of a major cyber attack on Ukraine's largest telecom operator, Kyivstar, will cost its parent company, Netherlands-based Vion, almost $100 million. This according to a statement the company released on Monday. Vion is focusing on, quote, an impact on its consolidated revenue results for 2024 associated with the revenue loss arising from the customer loyalty measures. According to the record, the financial impact is not due to the cost of repair and restoration, but in large part is due to subscribers immediately switching to SIM-based connectivity through local operators Vodafone and LifeCell. The attack itself is believed to have been the work of the Russian sandworm operation. There it is. Sandworms in the house. All right. So, hey, here, there's a couple things to unpack here as well. So first of all, um, Russia, you know, attacking Ukraine. No, no, nothing new here. Uh, the cyber attack, I don't know what the uh, dimension of it was, but it basically knocked out a um, telecom provider, right? So knocking out AT&T, knocking out Boost Mobile, knocking out Ryan Reynolds and his Mint phones or whatever. Um, Knocked it out. And what they're saying is they're losing $100 million, um, not from ransom or anything, but basically they waived a month of fees for everybody that worked there, or excuse me, every customer. So they lost a month of revenue, boom. And on top of that, they said they saw a spike in people switching platforms. So 
two things. One, I'm not surprised, right? As an end user, um, I, I don't want to say I don't have any sympathy for my um, for for this for this victim, but if my I, you know if my phone carrier all of a sudden went down for like more than three days, I would switch platforms too. I you know I'm a user. I need a service. You're not providing it. I, it's not, I don't have like Verizon tattooed on my knuckles. I've got no, uh, no af affinity. Like this is a business transaction. Like, okay, you waived my monthly fee. You should have, you didn't provide me service, bro. So, um, so anyways, this is the, um, the impact that can happen. I bet you Russia did this to Ukraine, not to screw over this telecom provider, Vion, but maybe because they were trying to knock out communications. When you're doing military operations, impacting communications is huge, huge, right? You can, first of all, eavesdropping on comms is valuable, but if you can just knock out comms, it, it doesn't allow people to share information, coordinate, uh, be able to convey needs and issues, right? Like, oh, they're doing a pincer move it, right? Welcome to the movie Tenant. Ooh, it's the it's the temporal pincer movement. Like get over here or we're out of bullets or this, uh, you know, tank is out of gas, send gas, right? Like if you can't communicate, it definitely degrades the operational uh, um, effectiveness. So that's probably why they did this. Now here, because I'm a big GRC wonk, let's talk about this for a minute. I guarantee you that this is what I'm most excited about with this story. This 100% would qualify as a cyber insurance claim. This company, there's no way, there's no way this company doesn't have a cyber insurance policy. There's no way they're not going to attempt to claim that policy. They lost $100 million. Dudes, if I lost $100 million and I had an insurance policy, I would be on the phone immediately and be like, it's my money. And I want it now. JG Wentworth style. Um, and I, I wish I had audio because I just, I recently saw like a hilarious Eminem eight mile uh, video of from the movie eight mile, but it's like the JG Wentworth thing is like <laughs> dubbed over. Anyways, why is it important? Because when we saw with the not pet attack with Merck's and Mondelez, they claimed that the Russian attack on Ukraine um Medoc accounting software screwed their business up to the tune of $1.4 billion and $700 million respectively for Maersk and Mondelez. And Zurich International, who held the insurance policy, was like, bro, and this is the key right here. This is an act of war. We don't cover acts of war. And it went to um, court and the courts ruled in favor of the victims and Zurich International had to pay. Then Zurich tried to appeal that. And I think it's still actually going on right now. So to me, thank you very much, mods. Here we go. This is this is uh, Vion. This is Vion calling their insurance company right now. If you're watching uh, or if you're listening on audio, I've got a woman sticking her head out of a window saying it's my money and I need it now. JG Wentworth. Um, so believe me when I tell you, I am very interested to see, and I guarantee you, Within three to six months, there will be a massive news story about this company and the insurance company fighting about whether or not to pay this insurance claim. Because there's no question, there is no question that this is 100% an act of war. 
and I'm sorry, there's only one internet and this Vion company, they got caught in the crossfire, collateral damage. All right, let's go. And now a word from our sponsor, Savvy Security. Shadow identities on SaaS apps are growing unchecked, rapidly expanding an attack surface where businesses have little to no visibility or control. Savvy helps security teams safely embrace SaaS benefits by automating the discovery and removal of the most toxic combinations of SaaS identity risk. Savvy's automation playbooks and just-in-time security guardrails guide users at scale towards proper identity hygiene. That's Savvy, identity first SaaS security. You can learn more at savvy.security slash headlines. That's S-A-V-V-Y dot security slash headlines. Reddit upvotes an IPO in March. All right, here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the mid-roll. Hey, everybody. I hope you're having a great show, great stream. It's 8.32. Just missed the half hour, but we're doing all right. Guys, it's Friday. Let's be chill. If you're getting a uh, value from the stream, educational entertainment, just want to be a good citizen, do me a favor. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button. It goes a very long way to helping other cybersecurity people searching for cyber content on YouTube discover Simply Cyber. So pay it forward. What's up, Jess Bishop? Pay it forward and uh, please hit that like button. Shout out to the stream sponsors again, Barricade Cyber Panopsi and Anti-Siphon Training. I didn't tell you yet, but Anti-Siphon Training is disrupting like a boss. The traditional cybersecurity training industry, because you know what they do that's different? They provide high quality, cutting edge education to everyone regardless of financial position. They offer their students the opportunity to learn real skills, practice what is taught during the course, and engage with the community, kind of the way that we're doing in chat over here. They've got a Discord server going on, thousands of students in every class, amazing networking opportunity. And the courses are being taught by some of the best practitioners, some of the smartest people in our industry. And guys, I got to tell you right now, this is a very, this is a very timely opportunity. Next week, is it next week? Let me look at my calendar here. Uh, it's either next week or the week after I, uh, mods. I, I, I need some help on that. But basically, um, the last week of January, the first week of February, John Strand himself, and if you don't know John Strand, take my word for it, the man is a legend. He is, he himself is teaching two courses back to back. Last week of January is the active defense and cyber deception course, which you can take for $0. I've taken it myself. It's phenomenal. The following week is SOC core skills. Also a John Strand. I haven't taken it. I bet you it's amazing. Take advantage of this. If you are looking for training and you're looking to not spend money on it, believe me, sign up for this. I got links to both of these trainings in the description below. Don't miss this opportunity. I don't know when it's going to come around again. Let's pivot to the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Boom, baby. Hey, listen up. If you want to blow up your professional network like a boss, listen and do this. It's very, very easy. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge is going to enable you to do this. If you want to take advantage of it, do the following. 
go on LinkedIn, search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Let me get this. I got. We got to move that uh, font up so the ticker doesn't cover it up. Go search for this hashtag, right? Simply Cyber Community Challenge. And the people who are posting, comment and connect with the poster and the peoples in the comments. Connect with the poster and the peoples in the comments. They are the Simply Cyber community. It's amazing. Now, whoever has the baton right now, I'm uh, at a loss. It is Khalil Azar. Khalil Azar, if you are in chat, say what's up. And if not, we're going to tag somebody. But basically, one person a day gets the baton. Whoever gets the baton, you are the featured Simply Cyber Community Challenge member. And you are going to go on LinkedIn, post your story, share why you love cybersecurity, and use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and tag me. That way I can amplify it. You're going to love it. Believe me when I tell you. It can help you blow up your professional network and meet other Simply Cyber community members, okay? It's as simple as that. All right, Khalil Azar, please let me know in chat if you're going to do it. I want to say that that uh, read went a little long, so give me a second. That read went a little long. Give me a second. I do want to say really quickly, it is Friday, which means it is uh, uh, Grayson's Joke of the Week presented by James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. James McQuiggan is currently on a cruise ship. So he is not in chat right now, but he did text me um, the jokes. So here we go. James McQuiggan, always on brand with the joke of the week. James wants you to, guys to know, did you hear about the red cruise ship and the blue cruise ship that crashed into each other at sea? Oh, my. Did you? Carrie, Chris Young, Deb Wigley, did you guys hear about the red cruise ship and the blue cruise ship that crashed into each other? All the survivors were marooned. All the survivors were marooned. <laughs> All right. And then a double dip. What vegetable isn't allowed on cruise ships? Hey, little little known fact. You can get a lot of different food on cruise ships, but did you know there's one vegetable that's not allowed on cruise ship? Obviously, it's leeks, right? No leeks on the cruise ship. <laughs> All right. Thanks, James and Quiggin, for the joke of the week. We love it. Rex, Rex with the uh, super chat. We just become best friends. Yep. All right, Rex, I knew an analyst who wanted to move to IR, but he was rejected because in the interview, he wouldn't describe how the roles differ. Oh, my God. That was awesome, Rex. Thanks for the super chat. Love it, love it, love it. So good. All right, y'all. Hey, we got we to gotta finish strong because uh, work is work. Let's get going and let's do it. It's an IPO in March. The social media platform is looking to move ahead with its long-planned IPO with a public filing in late February and the IPO completed in late March, at which point it seeks to sell around 10% of its shares. According to Reuters, quoting co-founder Steve Huffman's Reddit post from last June, the company generates revenue primarily through advertising along with premium access for a $5.99 monthly fee, but has yet to turn a profit. This would be the first IPO of a major social media company since Pinterest in 2019. All right. Um, this is not a cyber story <clears throat> at all. Uh, so I'm not going to really spend much time. It is very meta, uh, I guess, for society. Um, I love Reddit. Reddit's good. Um, obviously, there's been more ads and stuff on Reddit, which has been whatever. Um, if you use Reddit, you know it. Um, I'm actually a mod on the uh, slash R cybersecurity uh uh, forum. Um, anyways, whatever. Reddit's going IPO. 
If you want to own a piece of Reddit, now is the time. Carpe the diem. Let's keep going. Sorry. Th- sorry. I, this isn't a cyber story. Swiss DDoS attacks likely due to Zelensky at Davos. DDoS attacks this week at Swiss facilities, including the Davos Clusters Ski Resort website, the service provider of a Swiss cable car network, the Swiss Ministry of the Interior, and a railway system that services Davos are all being blamed on the Russian hacker group No Name. A message from this group has been posted on its Telegram channel, and it is believed that the attackers are doing this in response to the presence of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the World Economic Forum annual meeting. The attacks, which did not impact the main portal of the Swiss government, were quickly resolved by Switzerland's National Cybersecurity Center. Docker host. All right. Uh, so this is a perfect case study on hacktivism. Um, we've seen an uptick in hacktivism after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, most notably Ukrainian hashtag IT army. But there's been a lot of pro-Russian things. We, we actually saw a Conti ransomware gang, which was like really, really effective, um, splinter and basically implode because half the group was Russian and half was um, Ukrainian. Uh, and we also have seen uh, threat actor groups like Killnet. I will say that a lot of the hacktivist groups uh, manifest in denial of service attacks. Now, denial of service attacks, while not trivial, are a bit easier to execute, a bit splashier um, in impact because they basically um, knock stuff out and end users experience it uh, right away. Uh, this this group I've never heard of before, but it doesn't mean they're not around or relevant. It's called No Name, LOL, very... Um, very, um, oh my God, Homer's Odysseus, right? Very, very Homer. Um, if you, if you know your like Greek history or, or your Greek, whatever, um, writings or what I, I don't know. Anyways, this Russian group's all up in this business and it, it, it is what it is, right? Like Zelensky went somewhere and they basically banged on the door and knocked things over at that place. This is borderline like terrorism, um, essentially what they're trying to say is, you know, if Zelensky comes to your town or your business or your house, you can expect to be attacked also. Right. So now they're trying to like almost make Zelensky ostracized from different groups and that want to support or help. Um, that's what this is, right? Again, Russia's doing it. Ukraine's doing it. Um, both sides are doing it when there's something that it gets people really passionate, whether it's pro-life, pro-choice whether it is invasion of Russia, I mean, excuse me, invasion of Ukraine or pro-Russia, like whatever it is, if people are emotionally invested and they want to lash out and do something to feel like they're part of the cause, this is how it will manifest. Um, They are using Telegram, uh, which is quite popular uh, for communication and knowledge share. Um, And, you know, like basically that's it. So uh, I don't know how they did the denial of service attack. I will say there are multiple ways to do denial of service attacks. There is amplification reflection attacks, which are very powerful. Um, and 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 you don't really need a lot of people to do that. You just need to find vulnerable uh, IT infrastructure that you can exploit and weaponize. Uh, for this particular one, it seems like this is more of your traditional... Um, you know, kind of tribe denial of service attack where basically you don't have an infrastructure you own of like bot, excuse me, like botnets and zombies. You have a bunch of people who are like, yes, let's rock and roll. 
and you command all those people to attack the target at the same time. So this is really more of an attack of numbers than it is about um, sophisticated IT infrastructure, uh, but whatever. At the end of the day, the impact is the same. It doesn't matter if it's a bunch of people or it's one person with a bunch of infrastructure. The websites got knocked offline. It sounds like Switzerland just kind of like pulled their, you know, pulled themselves up out of the dust, um, you know, started running around screaming the hills are alive with the sound of music and went about their business. So whatever. It's hacked in nine hits viewer app scheme. Researchers at Cado Security, C-A-D-O, have uncovered a quite devious campaign in which bad actors are using the 9Hits Viewer, that is the number 9, H-I-T-S, the 9Hits Viewer app on compromised Docker hosts to generate credits for mining Monero cryptocurrency through the cloud systems resources. As quoted in Bleeping Computer, quote, Cato believes the attackers likely use a network scanning product like Shodan to discover vulnerable servers and breach them to deploy malicious containers via the Docker API, at which point they take advantage of the Nine Hits app's approach to sharing recommendations. Hmm. Britain, Mark. All right. I didn't get the Nine Hits piece of this story. I didn't get the nine hits piece of this story, but um, if someone in chat understands that part, let me know. But hey, here's the TLDR. This is this is a classic attack, okay? The more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, basically, Docker and the XM rig malware that they're installing, treat those like variables, right? So it could be like, you know, insert new technology, hosts hacked an ongoing website traffic theft scheme with malware being installed of insert malware name, right? Like it, it, it changes all the time, but the technique and the attack is the same. Basically Docker containers, they're, they're essentially VMs. They're essentially systems. They're on the internet. If they're not properly secured, you can get into them. You can find them using Shodan. So finding the vulnerable Docker containers or vulnerable systems is trivial, right? It just takes a few minutes of time. Now, once you get in, these particular individuals are using XM rig miner to basically mine cryptocurrency. Remember, mining cryptocurrency doesn't have a great return on of investment in 2024 because the amount of power, the amount of money it costs to mine is not worth what you get in cryptocurrency by successfully mining unless you're going scale and you've got like a mining farm in Greenland that you know your costs are really low and it's a bunch of headless units and you own like 6,000 um, Ryzen GPU chips and stuff like that, right? But for like normal people who are buying a little rig, you're not, I mean, it's a fun little novelty, but you're not making more money than you're spending on unless you hack some type of Docker container and basically have the vic the real victim here is the person who is paying for the compute resources for this miner to run. So essentially, I install the rig miner and I'm like, everything is pure profit and some victim is paying my utility bill. That's what's going on here. The nine hits viewer app. I didn't, I didn't get that part. Um, oh, they're basically installing the nine hits viewer app in addition to the rig miner. So uh, I guess this is like some other type of malware. Um, nine hits is a web traffic exchange where members can drive traffic to each other's sites. All right, so, <laughs> okay. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. All right, so here's the deal. When we get to jawjacking, right, uh, I've started doing this thing where I'm like, oh, if you want to sponsor or support jawjacking, go to this link, and I get like a dollar for every click. 
uh, that goes to support Simply Cyber and the channel and all that stuff. This is basically the same thing. They're they're essentially setting up a miner and then setting up some type of like referral clicking thing that um, they can make money on. And they're basically just trying to maximize their their time and investment. Threat Act, guys, we are not in the day and age anymore where threat actors are wearing hoodies and sunglasses and you know saying, I'm in. Like, can I can I get the uh the animated gif of the hacker guy who's doing this with like the the mask on, please, so I can bring that up on stream? Um, we are living in a day where yes, those people still exist, but the by and large, the majority of them. It's their job. It's their business. They go to work, right? Like, they, you know, they they're they they go to work and they they're using this money to pay for things like their own infrastructure, feed their kids, pay their bills, right? Um, and honestly, if you're living in an area where there isn't a lot of normal job opportunity, whether it's a third world country or whether it's a war torn country, humans got to eat. Right. If, 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 if I was in a position where like, dude, I'm responsible for my wife and kids, right. I'm going to provide for them. However, I need to provide for them. Ideally, I would do it in a way that I, you know, have high integrity in, but yes, thank you, Jenny. Um, but, but, you know, unfortunately people are put in positions that they don't want. So this, this, this group is what they're doing Here, Here's, this is what hacking is not anymore. Although, um, you know, some people still hack this way. Of course, uh, bringing in the other hand from off stage. I love it. All right, so let's keep going. Um, by the way, uh, for for individuals, practitioners, uh, that you do have to take action here. If you're running Docker in your environment, maybe your tech startup, maybe your DevSecOps shop, whatever. Docker is awesome. Docker is awesome. I will reiterate that. But misconfigured Docker containers open to the public when it shouldn't be crappy uh, credentials for administrator access, SSH, open a username and password versus uh, certificates. All of the things that we talk about all of the time, make sure you're doing them. Make sure you're scanning on Shodan for your IP address range and seeing if you've got Docker containers in there and then see if you can, comp not compromise them, but see if, if they have crappy creds, see if they're misconfigured, see if they're running listening services they're not supposed to and tighten it up. That's the deal, guys. It's called configuration management. Let's tighten it up and let's go. Configuration management's so hot. That Hansel's the 80th so hot anniversary right of secret code-breaking computer. Colossus was a top secret code-breaking computer which in 1944, quote, decoded German messages which convinced Allied forces that their year-long plan to deceive Hitler over the location of the invasion had been successful, giving D-Day the go-ahead, end quote. Colossus, true to its name, was a six-and-a-half-foot-tall bank of switches and pluggable cables and used paper tape as its main medium. Its 2,500 valves cut the time it took to decode messages from weeks down to hours. Colossus remained in use until the early 1960s. Images released by Britain's GCHQ spy agency are viewable at Reuters in a link included in the show notes to this episode. All right. Shall we play a game? The original Colossus. Uh, looks very, uh, you know, um, lost in space. Danger Will Robinson. Look at this cable management. Are you serious, bro? Like, come on. How's your, how's my cable? Rate my cable management, Colossus. Um, so anyways, this is just a little fun uh, yesteryear callback. Not really cybersecurity related, but it is 
um, IT related and, you know, things move really quickly in cybersecurity and we constantly have to remain vigilant, but it is nice from time to time to take a hot minute and reflect on uh, where we've come from in historical lessons. I saw someone mention Alan Turing in chat, William Ayers, 100%. Bletchley Park, uh, World War II, the work that Alan Turing did in the entire team at Bletchley Park was unbelievable. The contribu contributions um, that von Neumann made to computer science and the advance of computer technologies, amazing. Um, Ada Lovelace, to go way back in the concept of programming computers, a major development. Some of the things we just take for granted is like obvious. Someone had to think of it to begin with. Um, really quick shout out. Um, I've actually started reading this book right here. Um, I don't recommend it. Uh, I mean, I recommend it, but I don't recommend it. I'll explain in a second. But this book right here, Quantum Supremacy, I actually started reading this after I met with Gary uh, Binder from, from uh, Intel when I realized how little I knew about quantum computing. Um, I'm about halfway through this book. Um, it's not, it's good. It's good, but it's not my favorite. So this is not a must buy. But what I will tell you is Michio Kaku spends a lot of time talking about history um, of computers and goes back to Von Neumann, Ada Lovelace, um, and Alan Turing and all this other stuff. So it is like Alan Turing developed the concept of the computer, like the finite state machine and making it simplified and on which, you know, modern compute architecture, not quantum, but modern compute architecture is built on. Um, very, very cool stuff. Really, really interesting. So if you see this story and you're like, oh yeah, this is good. Uh, that quantum supremacy book might actually um, give you some love. Also, you know, pour a little bit out, um, you know, out of the OE, pour a little bit out for Alan Turing. That that guy was instrumental. Alan Turing was instrumental in, um, basically the unite, uh, the allied powers winning world war two without the contributions of Alan Turing. Many of us would probably like, I don't know if you saw the man in the high tower or whatever, but like it, the 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 World War II could have ended much differently without the significant contributions of Alan Turing. Even if the Allied Powers won, it is believed by scholars and experts that Alan Turing's contributions alone ended the war three years earlier and saved the lives of 17 million people. And it's a damn shame. Sorry, Kennedy. It is a damn shame if you read what happened to Alan Turing after World War II, because it was all classified. He couldn't tell anybody what he did. Nobody knew who he was. And he got screwed uh, and ultimately um, ultimately had to take his own life. Um, really, really messed up what happened to him as far as uh, this, the country of England and how they treated him. But uh, anyways, uh, his contributions were dynamite. So way to go, Colossus. Way to go, um, modern compute architecture. And to think, look at this thing, right? My watch, right? My Garmin Forerunner has more compute power than this thing right here, but just amazing. Also, again, hashtag cable management. Like, you're going to get tore up on Reddit if you post this picture, my friend. All right, let's go. And now just a reminder to join us for Super... All right. Hey, 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 everybody. What a show. It's 8.55 in the morning. If you were here just for the news, thank you very much. I hope you all have a phenomenal weekend. 
Shout out again to Barricade Cyber Panopsi and Anti-Siphon Training. I heard Deb Wiggly was in chat. If Deb Wiggly is still here, guys, say what's up to her. She is one of the um, key players over at Black Hills Information Security and Anti-Siphon. And she's just a phenomenal human being. Uh, so definitely say what's up. Um, and I'll talk about, I'll tell you what, I'll talk about Turing at Jawjack and if y'all want. If you were here just for the news, thank you very much. It is Friday, which means I don't have to go teach at the Citadel, which means we're going to get some jawjacking in. I'm Jerry. This was episode 539 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. Thanks so much, everybody. And I'll see you Monday morning, 8 a.m. Or I'll, or Jerry Guy, I'll see you at jawjacking in a hot minute. Be well, everybody. Until next time, stay secure. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Jawjack, and I'm your host, Jerry Guy, coming hot off the heels of Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. If you're looking for a good time and just chilling, well, then you've come to the right place. Retro synthwave vibes, little lo-fi action, and we're hanging it. We're hanging it, guys. Um, we do need a tag for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Uh, we did not get one in chat, so hey, if you'd like to uh, be good, cyber newbie, if you're looking to uh, take the baton, as I mentioned, one person per day gets the, the baton and shares their cyber story. Uh, so if you would like to be that individual, please step into the light. Believe me, I'm telling you, if you take the baton and take on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, you absolutely will get value from, from it. I, I promise you. So someone volunteer, please. All right. Uh, while we're doing that, um, Cody Coleman asks a question in chat. The earlier story, Center 16, 16, 18, is that different physical people or different focus? So good question, um, Cody. It, um, it may have some similar people, but if I had to guess, it is um, two different uh, groups, right? It's like it's like the marketing department and the accounting department, right? Maybe sometimes you share resources, but for the most part, they're different people. Um, you And at the nation state level, basically because they're well-funded and uh, mission-oriented, like Center 16 is Sandworm. Their mission is to infiltrate and uh, commit like espionage and do uh, kind of cyber war attacks think of them as like the a team except cyber capability now fancy bear which is a different group in russia is um completely focused on misinformation disinformation campaigns now they will still um sometimes ask sandworm to break into a system like famously in the 2016 united states presidential elections sandworm broke into the democratic national convention uh people's emails and then took the emails and gave them to Fancy Bear and said, do what you want with it. And then Fancy Bear started leaking it and doing all the information campaign, information warfare stuff. So that's what that is. Center 18, I hadn't heard before, but um, they, they're, they're most likely a different group altogether. I hope that helps answer your question. Edwin Bianco says, Edwin Bianco is going to take on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Noise! Edward Bianco 
We can't wait to see you share your story. Jenny Edward Bianco has picked up. Uh, Jenny, did I say Jerry or Jenny? Uh, Jenny Edward Bianco has picked up the uh, baton. So let me tell you. Um, let me tell you about Alan Turing really quickly. Here's the deal. Alan Turing, um, he was a, uh, he was a, um, um, his romantic interests were in other men. Okay. That's, you know, that's fine. In 2024, that's like not even a big deal. Right. But in 1947 in England, it was actually considered illegal. Alan Turing had like a theft or a fire at his house or something like that. Uh, and the police came to investigate. So he was a victim of a crime and police came to investigate and they discovered um, evidence that would indicate he had a uh, a lifestyle that was, you know, uh, he was into to men, right? And because of that, it was freaking illegal in England. So they arrested him. And then they said, okay, you're found guilty of being um, into men. You have two choices. You can either go to prison for like 15 years or you can take hormone therapy um, to, to like make yourself, um, I can't remember exactly. It was either to make yourself a female or make yourself more male, whatever it was, <clears throat> basically to, to alter you so you stop doing that, which is deplorable. But it, So he chose the, the hormone treatment therapy over going to prison because he... He, he wanted to just solve math problems. And if he went to prison, he wouldn't be able to do that. So he took this hormone therapy and within a year it had screwed him all up. And he basically took his own life uh, because he was so distraught from not being able to live his life the way he wanted to. And he was just messed up. It's, it's just a damn shame because he literally saved 17 million people. And the way his country rewarded him for it was basically screwing with him chemically for a year and then um, basically <clears throat> having him take his own life. And his contributions to um, the computer industry are exceptional as well. So it's a dark story. It's a sad story, uh, but <clears throat> it is the truth. All right. Let <clears throat> so Amish runaway. Yeah. <clears throat> read, read the story. It's, it's, it's sad. It's damn. It's, it's, it's really sad. I mean, that, that, that treatment is not okay for anyone, but the guy was like basically a national hero that no one knew about. <clears throat> um, yeah, I know ZMF. It's not a Friday story, but sometimes we got to look into the, the darkness. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sorry. Not to, I'm, I'm not trying to like depress people. It's just like, you know, it, it's a story and it's sad. And I just love, uh, Alan Turing. He invented the Turing machine. Like his, his, um, contributions are, are fundamental to AI. <clears throat> Have a good weekend, Adam V. <clears throat> All right, let's see. <clears throat> oh, Hey, if you guys want, let me share the blog post of the day or whatever it is. If you guys are looking to support the channel, um, I'll drop it in chat. Support jawjacking. One second. Click here and learn about a vault. 
<clears throat> All right, so I just posted this in chat. Hopefully this takes you to the right one. All right, so I just posted this in chat. If you go to the Simply Cyber uh, <clears throat> server and click on Main Chat SC, you can click on the link and support the channel. Um, it basically will take you to this blog post story. I always handpick these stories. This one I thought would be really interesting for anyone looking to break into the industry. It basically takes a recent Zixel NAS 326 vulnerability and explains exactly how the disclosure happened, exactly what the details of the vulnerability are and how exploitation happens. This is a perfect, this is a perfect um, walkthrough case study for anyone to learn what a vulnerability is and how exploitation can happen. You read this blog post a couple times through and go to a job interview and you can, you can work this into the story um, <clears throat> and demonstrate understandability of vulnerability management, you know, SOC analyst type stuff, how to go threat hunting, uh, et cetera. There's a lot of opportunity to bend this story to your will. So go check it out. Uh, and thank you for supporting the channel. Again, if you click on the link, I think the channel gets $1.50 per click. It doesn't cost you anything. <clears throat> it costs the uh, blog poster. Be good, Galaxian 6. Holla, holla, holla. And you are welcome for the sub. <clears throat> CJ went to a sim event last night with a lot of directors and CIOs. Lots of Apple Watches. Interesting. Very good. Oh, yeah. Nick mentions the imitation game. That is Alan Turin's story, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's good. <clears throat> um, have a good weekend, Joseph Dayhair. Uh... Drop a link. So, Eder Abraham, you have to go on the Simply Cyber Discord server to click the link. If I drop it in YouTube chat, for some reason, they don't register the clicks. Like, literally, I, I used to drop it in the YouTube chat, and they're like, oh, one person clicked. I'm like, no, definitely 30, 40 people clicked. And they're like, nope. So, <clears throat> I'm experimenting with this. If you guys click on it, actually, you know what would be nice? If you do decide to click on it, can you click the thumbs up? emote on the blog post i just added one it'd be it'd be nice to know if you clicked on it just so i can say i know definitively 45 people clicked on it and you're saying one person clicked on it i'm i'm done using your service no problem color me sync it's what i do <clears throat> all right be good sinfulness let me hey so i told you about the uh anti-siphon training I told you about the anti-siphon training. Let me look at when this actually is. The uh, active defense and cyber deception. Come on. January 29th is when it starts through February 1st. So it is the last week of January. I'm telling you this here. I'm going to drop a link. I know I'm supposed to use the uh, clickable links in the description, but like Deb... The numbers might be lower, Deb, but it's just easier to drop a link directly into it. I, guys, I've taken this course. It's awesome. Like, my favorite thing to say, I've got a video for that. I've got a video for that. This course was phenomenal. Here, I'm going to drop a, a share here. Boink. My review of this course. My review of this course, it's so good. It's so good. Loved it, loved it, loved it. 
I'm a anti-siphon training love lover. It, love it, love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Trying to appropriate Finn Frock's uh, sound effect there. What's Pamela Joshua doing? I want I want in on this. What's Pamela Joshua doing? Sorry, guys. I, I missed it. I don't see chat. I, I don't have water to drink, um, Josh Mason. Sorry, Bubba. Space tacos. It's in the Simply Cyber um, channel. Uh, here, look it. I'll, I'll tell you. Look it. This is the Simply Cyber Discord server right here. If you scroll down on the left, you'll see eventually Simply Cyber right here. It's in this channel right here. All right. Guys, if you, I don't know if you caught, I had Tom Nom Nom as my guest last night on uh, Simply Cyber Live. That dude's awesome. Also, I didn't get to mention it uh, during the show yesterday, but if you attended the show, um, you know how cool he was. Um, he literally, before we went live, he, he's, he's really into music. He mentioned playing guitar. Before we went live, he literally um, put a talk box in his mouth and had his uh, electric guitar plugged in. And he basically played the bigger, faster, stronger, like Daft Punk song through a talk box. He's just like shredding. And he's like, like out of nowhere, he's like, we, we were just talking and he's like, yeah, Jerry, whatever. And he's like, oh, hey, check this out. And I'm like, oh yeah, like what? Like, what's up? And he's like, I'm like, holy what? That's awesome. It was sick. It was so sick. Uh, Chris, uh, uh, Billy DP, great interview. Thank you. Oh, Pamela, Joshua's in the final two rounds. Yes, Pamela. I am super pumped, super happy for you. Go crush it. Chris Young, can you mention the software for drawing arrows and stuff? I forget and lost in my notes. Yeah. Uh, the software I'm using, um, shout, shout out to Ryan Chapman, uh, great practitioner, Ryan Chapman on the defensive side. He's the one who, uh, told me about this. It's called zoom it from sys internals. It's a Microsoft application. Uh, here, let me Chris young point guys. This is such a cool thing. If you're, if you do a lot of, um, if you do a lot of presenting and sharing your screen, um, this tool, it's one megabyte big. It's tiny. It runs in your, it just runs automatically in your sys tray and you can do all sorts of stuff. It's super cool. I don't even use all the functionality, right? You can zoom, you can type, you can do countdown timers. I don't use all that. I literally zoom and do this and then do this. And I do it all the time. It's such a powerful tool. Definitely up your uh, productivity game. When you take my Cyber 101 class, you'll see it all over the place. <clears throat> all right, so... Okay, IDK says, on the IPO story, wouldn't it be much more important to keep security risks low leading up to IPO? Founders might have to push the IPO date back if issues coming up, meaning cash out later. <clears throat> well, the IPO story was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the IPO story was about Reddit, and they're just talking about launching. Whenever a business IPOs, it's not a surprise. It's not like they show up to the stock exchange that day and they're like, we're IPOing today. So there's always a big run up to um, announcing an IPO. So, you know, if you're going to introduce security issues, um, 
it's going to happen anyways. Honestly, IDK, at this point, um, when you're investing in a company, you're investing in the predicted profit and revenue growth of the company in like the next quarter, right? You're not, you're not really investing in the company and, and their performance today. You're investing in what you believe their performance is going to be, which is why earnings calls happen and why when people don't meet earnings, the, the stock price goes down and stuff like that. So as far as a Reddit um, IPO goes, I, I don't think it would be much of an issue. I mean, obviously, if they had a big security incident, it would suck. But I don't think it really influences uh, IPO valuation and stuff like that. So, I mean, Reddit's got a really strong um, footprint in society. Everybody knows what it is. So I would suspect the IPO is going to be good. <clears throat> All right. My throat is uh, hurting, but yeah, it is what it is. Pamela Joshua, how much is the IPO? I don't know. Says they're going to make their public filing in late February and launch a road show in March. They're only going to send te sell 10% of the the, 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 the company in uh, shares. So... So if anything, if they're pushing it back, it's not from a cybersecurity incident. They're pushing it back because there's, you know, cash, there's money involved in it. Uh, Rex is saying Neuralauncher is a tool that they like. So we, I was just sharing the SysInternals tool. Let's look at Neuralauncher and see what that is. Collection of more than 200 portable utilities. What do we got in here? Is this like a USB? Um, oh, Okay. So I think Neuralauncher is you put a bunch of utilities on a USB drive, put it on your keychain, and then like whenever you show up somewhere, um, you know, you're at a, uh, a kiosk, you're at a hotel, you're at a client site, whatever, you have all the tools that you need ready. You don't ever need to install anything. Oh, oh, the link, uh, Pamela, for the uh, Zoomit tool, it's right here in chat. Um, if you want this tool... Um, if you want this zoom it tool, I just linked it in chat. I'll even use the tool right here. <laughs> you can see it. The, the link is right there. Just click on that link and you'll get, go right to that tool. Oh, the nut runner. Yeah. Uh, I do want to tell people, um, we got some, uh, I got a little bit of feedback. So if you guys remember, I think it was Monday. Monday or Tuesday, the CISO story wasn't there. And I basically improvised, made up stories. I ended up doing like multiple personalities. I did Harry Carey live reporting on the scene. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And a lot of people were laughing with it. Um, I did get some people who said that it was a little distracting to actually, you know, take out the, the key things from the story because I was, you know, being ridiculous. So uh, I do hear you, um, you know, to me, it's like doing the Discord chat on April Fool's Day. Really, really fun, but kind of a one-off. And, you know, don't don't expect uh, it all the time. Um, what else we got here? Be well, Israel. IDK says, just figured any issue could hinder cash outs. Thanks for answering. Yeah, no problem. 
<clears throat> Thanks, Space Tacos. It was good. Hey, Jay and Michelle, what's up? Hey, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I changed the lights today. Usually this light off stage is bright red, and that one back there is like purple. And I did this one purple and that one blue. Kind of a little bit different vibe just to see how things worked. Oh, hey, can I share something kind of cool with everybody? Um, at, um, again, I always forget about these things. At um, 12.30 today, you may have noticed I'm wearing a, uh, a more classic business button-down shirt. I prefer Black Hills Information Security t-shirts, but I'm wearing a button-down. Why, Jerry? What kind of nerd thing are you up to? I am going to be interviewed for CSO Magazine at 12.30 today. And um, I, I was like, ooh, I got I to gotta look, look cooler or look more CSOE. Uh, so anyways, I'm super pumped about that. Um, we're talking third-party risk management. Someone call Neil Bridges and let him know. Um, but anyways, so that's what's up. James McQuiggan, what are you doing here? become best friends. Yep. James McQuiggan with a super chat. Glad to be back on solid ground. I love being at sea, but it's great to be back and listening to my good buddy, Simply Cyber, Jerry Osha. Hey, thanks, James McQuiggan. It's great to have you back. I read your jokes. People loved them today. All right. Hey, thanks. Thanks for the feedback, guys. It's CSO Magazine, not CISO. CSO. CSO. Yeah. Hold on. Let me see if I can <clears throat> do this. CSO Magazine. So, anyways, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Where's my calendar? I have my calendar up for a minute. All right. Do you recommend CompTIA live your show? Do I recommend CompTIA live your show? Willie Diesel, I don't understand the live your show part, but what I will tell you is uh, CompTIA is uh, good for entry level stuff. Specifically, their Security Plus certification is uh, worth getting uh, basically because it, it it unlocks a lot of HR gatekeeping um, and prerequisite stuff. HR might uh, just throw your resume in the trash if you don't have a security plus uh, because they have a thousand applicants and they're trying to find easy ways. Oh, oh, love. You love the show, Willie Diesel. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Willie. Um, so I would get CompTIA Sec Plus. Another thing that um, I would say, because I get this asked a lot, is Security um, Network Plus and A Plus. I would not get Network Plus and A Plus. I would advise you not to get Net Plus, A Plus. I would advise you to learn the material and know the content in Net Plus and A Plus. But the certification itself isn't really going to move the needle for a job. But understanding the information that's covered in those domains is valuable, especially the networking one. Um, I hope that works. Neon Nomad. So Kuda Chimera asks, I'm still running or I'm on a break. Thanks for asking Kuda Chimera. I actually have not run in probably a month. Um, first of all, I really don't like running in the cold. 
And second of all, you guys may or may not know, but like I have been busting my um, trying to get Cyber 101 out. And any free moment I have, even if I want to run, I put on Cyber 101. So um, Cyber 101 is about to launch. I'm very, 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 very excited about the labs. Um, all the coursework is done. Beta testers went through. We're really close. As soon as I'm done with that, um, I'm going to get back into running. The weather's going to warm up a little bit here in the low country. I can't wait to get back to running. I actually, can I share a personal story with everybody? Uh, um, oh, hold on. Would you recommend taking those upcoming anti-siphon trainings back to back since they're in consecutive weeks? So Anthony says, would I recommend taking the anti-siphon training, um, that I've been mentioning here, uh, active defense and cyber deception, soft core skills. I will tell you this to the, the answer is yes, Anthony, but I will tell you this. Um, it is Monday through Thursday and it's only four hours per day. So you technically don't need to like take work off, right? You can work it in where you're like, Hey work, I'm doing training these weeks and it won't impact because you can get to work. You can have your coffee. You can respond to emails. If something comes up, you can address it. Um, John puts breaks into the class that makes sense. Um, so it's not like, it's not like going to training. Okay. The content is amazing. And yes, it's both of them are very valuable. And because you can take it for $0, I would, I would, if you don't, here's the thing. If you don't have the time to do it. Okay. But if you have the time, you should, you should do both. It, it is unbelievable. It, it, they're so good. John is so good. Black Hills is so good. I love, I love Deb Wigley, Jason Blanchard, Velda, Allison, John. Um, like just the whole everything. Black Hills is amazing. I, I'm such a, I'm such a fan. And, and, and for good reason. It's not like it, this is like some cabal where we all pump each other up. They're literally doing amazing things for our community. It's awesome. That's why I love it. All right. Ken McDonald says, after Sec Plus, I've been working on Try Hack Me. Is that a good path, path for getting hands on after Sec Plus? Or yes. 100% Ken McDonald. Try Hack Me. I like, hold on. I'm going to give you like what I think of Try Hack Me. When someone asks me that question. Oh, wait. Hold on. I typed in that. Um, Ken McDonald. You say try hack me. Immediately, this is what I think in my mind. <laughs> try hack me? Yes. All right. What certs would you recommend to getting a SOC analyst job? Thank you for your time. Um, so if it were me, practical skills reign supreme, Willie. But if you're going to get certs, two things. One, I would say security plus to baseline. Then CYSA plus, which is another CompTIA, um, which is another CompTIA cert. Uh, and then I know those two are in the, in the game. And what else I would say is, um, Willie, this, this, um, this certification roadmap is such a dope resource. Uh, Willie share this, look at this, this, this certification roadmap is so sick. And if you want to be a SOC analyst, this right here is your swim lane. Doink, that's where you want to live. 
Uh, so you'll see at the bottom there, all these certs are more entry level, beginner, mid tier, and then top tier straight kicking it. Okay. Uh, with SOC analysts, you want to get trained up on like um, using a SIM, doing thread hunting, uh, a little bit of digital forensic stuff, a little bit of incident response stuff. But there's plenty in here. Um, also, also, uh, Willie, if I may, um, all right, hold on one second. I got a video for that. Um, let me see this, uh, my channel, check this out, Willie. Um, looks like I'm live right now. <laughs> Willie, um, here, do this. Cause you don't have to like certs are important, but practical skills are more valuable. Is it Willie that was asking? Yeah, Willie. Willie, here's a playlist on becoming a SOC analyst and getting hands-on experience. Here is another playlist that I made called, uh, so you want to be a SOC analyst. This will step you through not just practical skills, but interview questions, meta of the, of the gig, things to be mindful of. Being a SOC analyst, there's a lot of burnout and mental health issues. I go through all of that uh, in this particular one right here with um, Brandon. Uh, real truth, knowledge bombs dropped on your head, Willie. Uh, here is um, JJ Davey talking about uh, crushing it as a SOC analyst. Here's a panel I did with Eric Capiano and JJ Davey. There's a million, like this is basically a Harrying David gift basket full of SOC analyst learning material. So don't just rely on certs, my friend. Uh, get practical knowledge as well. It'll serve you well. All right. What, what else? <clears throat> um, Black Jack Yak 54 says blue team level one for practical and CYSA plus, but sec plus first. I've heard good things about blue team level one also. So I, I also second that from blackjack 54 blackjack yak. Je Jess, apparently this is the only, what shirt idea did John shoot down? Hold on. I'm sorry. I, I want to be part of the, uh, oh, not a cult. Yeah. I could see why John, John shut that down. Um, thanks glum hippo. Glum Hippo, uh, HTTP status code 200, perhaps? That's a that's a super deep cut inside joke Because uh, with Glum Hippo. All right. I noticed a lot of help desk jobs I'm finding are not real jobs on these job finder sites. What do you suggest for finding a job? Oh, networking, Billy DP. I know that sucks. It's not, it's not a straightforward answer. It's a very um, nuanced answer. But network, deliver value into the network. Um, talk to people, let them know what you're doing. Uh, a lot of jobs like show up out of nowhere. Like my last two jobs weren't, weren't even posted. You know what I mean? Like no one opened a job rec for my last couple jobs. They basically called me and said, Hey, do you want to come work? Um, I know I've been in discord, uh, group chats before where someone said, Hey, my company's actually going to be opening up three entry level positions for this skill. Uh, do you guys know anyone? So it's not necessarily networking with the intent of getting a job, but, uh, conversations happen, jobs happen. Uh, if you were going to, you know, job rec search, um, you know, LinkedIn and is, you know, where I would look. But the thing is 
you have to stand out in a sea of people. That's why you have to network because if you're just a resume, it's you're it's it's not going to work. It's going to fall flat and you're going to get um disappointed. All right. Um what's the best way to show all those labs on your resume or portfolio? Mark asks how what's a good way to show resume uh, labs on a portfolio? So, um Ah, Glum Hippo with the 418 status code teapot. Thank you, Glum Hippo, for the super chat. We just become best friends. Love it, love it, love it. Um, So resumes. Okay, let's do this one because this is a bit of a tricky one. Resume Labs. um, Give me a second here. Where is it? Where is it? Um, Does anybody know where the... Where the... um, the damn uh, resumes Joe Hudson posted where I pinned that. Gosh, dang. I pinned it somewhere. I pinned it somewhere. Uh, hold on one second. There is definitely a way to do it. And give me a second. Simply Cyber. Hold on. YouTube, Simply Cyber, Joe Hudson, resume. Let's see if I can find this. Here we go. This guy right here is Joe Hudson. He now works at TCM Security, but he is a absolute treasure. This guy is a close friend of mine, but he's also an absolute champion for the Simply Cyber community. And he came on and I want to, he made a resume. um, Here it is. Shared resume templates. Bing. All right. Now check this out. This one right here. Who asked the question? I forgot who asked the question. Um, I want to talk directly to that person. Mark, Mark Charles. I, I'll make this available. Okay. So here, let me, let me at Mark Char- Charles. Oh, thank you. We actually have a, uh, <laughs> we actually have a shortcut code for it. Thanks. Um, thanks, Josh. All right. So this one right here, simply cyber example three home lab junior, go ahead and click on that. And you could see here, this is one way to do it. You include it in here, okay? So download this resume and do it. Another way to do it that I've seen that is incredibly effective is um, you basically list you know, professional experience because doing lab work is professional experience. It's professional skills you're developing. And I saw someone list it and it almost looked like a prior job. They didn't misrepresent it. They did not misrepresent it like they had a job, but they shaped it on their resume so it looked like a job. Because I remember when I read it, you know, like the way people read resumes, if you read resumes all the time, you know, there's kind of like a normal flow to it. So when you go to the professional experience section and you look, you're just assuming this is a job. I don't even look at like where it was. I just look at the bullets, right? So the bullets were really interesting. I was like, wow, this is a lot of information. Where did the person do it? And then it said something like, uh, home lab was like the the business. And I was like, oh, clever. So that's another way to do it. Always be honest on your resume, but don't be afraid to like hack the human reading the resume. Also, ChatGPT is always a solid. Um, oh, you guys. <laughs> oh my God. So I'm getting a little bit of love here for my tabs. I don't know. Don't you like, don't you guys? Hold on one second. Don't you guys rock tabs like this? Like I can actually see the icons. You guys, sometimes I can't even see the icons. That's when I know that I've 
I've jumped the shark. <laughs> All right, hey, it's 9.30. I am going to do some Cyber 101 stuff. Uh, BSEC is offering up additional information to Mark Charles. Uh, if you do labs, put your write-ups on GitHub, create walkthroughs and post those on blogs or GitHub or on LinkedIn or all the places uh, to grow yourself and let people understand uh, the value you can deliver to them. All right, guys. I hope you had a great, great show, a great experience. Thank you all so very much. I'm going to go crank on labs. I just, before I went live this morning, I got up at uh, 6.30. Well, I, I came into the studio at 6.30. I'm working on a uh, firewall lab. I got multiple endpoints pinging each other and then configuring firewalls, uh, et cetera. So um, I'm ready to finalize that. And then I'm going to move on to the vulnerability scanning lab. It's all about good times up in here. We're really close to Cyber 101, guys. I hope you're excited. I certainly am. Really quick, coming in right as I'm closing the door. Marcio says, I applied for a job with an Australian intelligence agency to work in cyber. They offered me the job. I thought I had it, but then they failed me for the psych test. Bummer. Seriously, that is a bummer, Marcio. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Um, I don't even have a sound effect for that. Ugh. Sorry to hear that. All right, everybody. Be good, everyone. Thanks so very much. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great weekend.